Good evening. I want to welcome you here this evening. Welcome those of you who are visiting us, uh, perhaps for the first time. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the elders here. So tonight we are remembering what makes Good Friday good. The night before the crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples to remember his death by taking the Lord's table in remembrance of him. Paul said this to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now I'd remind you, brothers of the gospel, that is the good news, I preach to you which you have received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So why do we need to remember? Why do we need to remember this occasion that is um, both gruesome and to the believer life-giving? It's because we're prone to forget. And we're often distracted. And we remain in these bodies of weakness. And so we need to remember. As Paul would go on to say, Uh, In the verses following what we just read, the good news is of first or most importance. His death, burial, and resurrection three days later secured for us reconciliation with God, victory over sin, liberty from the clutches of the enemy, and life eternal. Now, we are not told to only remember the cross on the Friday before Easter. As if once a year will somehow do the trick. It's possible and maybe even probable that Jesus didn't actually die on Friday. But either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, There's debate over which day it actually occurred. It has to do with the Jewish calendar and and how day began at sunrise and ended at um, sunset, you know, whatever. Because all of that really isn't the most important part. What day it happened. If God wanted us to know the exact day, he would have given us that information. Just the same with Christmas. If it was really all that important to know the exact day of Jesus' birth, we would have known. But what is important, and what we do have, is what he did. What is important is that he did die. That he physically and bodily rose from the dead. It's also important, as we've seen, that we remind one another and that we do that often. Every time we're together, as often as possible, that we proclaim the good news to each other. And so, tonight, Friday night, it is fitting for us to remember his death and his burial. Now, in a moment, we'll read from Matthew 27 about the death of Christ. But what led to that moment? Now, this past Sunday, if you were with us, um, or perhaps at at your church, you uh, talked about Palm Sunday. Leading up to this moment, what took place between Palm Sunday and this moment, um, Jesus gathered his disciples for the what we call the Last Supper. Judas betrayed him. Jesus went to the garden to pray. There, he was arrested. 
Judas led a detachment of Roman soldiers and a group of temple police sent by the Jewish authorities there to arrest him. It is safe to assume that there were somewhere between 500 to 1,000 soldiers and police officers sent to arrest him. All for one man. When they go to arrest him, they ask if he is Jesus, and he answers, I am he. In John's account, he tells us that the soldiers fell back to the ground. Jesus speaks his name, and this military force before him, mostly made up of Roman soldiers, trained for war, armed to the teeth. The greatest military machine of its time stumble backwards and fall down. By the word of his mouth, he buckles their knees. These human powers, these authorities are literally falling over backwards at the sound of his voice and the mention of his name. Peter lops off the ear of one of the guards. The disciples scatter. Jesus was then brought before Annas, the father of the high priest. He is beaten and he's sent to Caiaphas, the high priest installed by Rome. Peter denies him three times. Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin. He's brought before Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate. The crowd chooses Barabbas. Jesus is flogged. He's beaten beyond recognition by a battalion of Roman soldiers. They place a crown of thorns on his head. They spit on him. They mock him. And then they lead him out of the city. Let's read Matthew 27, beginning in verse 32 through verse 56. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were, with, who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice 
and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Let's pray. Father, as we gather together this evening to consider the crucifixion, the death of our Savior, Jesus. Father, I ask that we would, uh, first of all, that we would see the the truth and the reality of these events, Lord, that we would have eyes to see from you, that we would perceive the meaning of all these things that have taken place, that we would see what Jesus did for us to defeat the powers of sin and death and the grave, to defeat the powers of Satan, that we would see and understand just how much you loved us that you would send your only son to pay for our sin. Father, we thank you this evening for such amazing love and such amazing grace. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is crucified between two robbers. He's mocked and ridiculed by those who pass by the chief priests, the scribes and the elders, also known as the Sanhedrin. They come and they mock him, they deride him, and then the robbers do so as well. From noon until three, I'm sorry, yeah, from noon until three um, in the afternoon. That's what it means when it says the sixth to the ninth hour. There's darkness across the land. 3 p.m. would have been the time of the evening sacrifice. This was not a coincidence. At that time, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus here is quoting Psalm 22. Let's read some portions from that psalm. The first verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Verses 6 through 8. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Jumping down to verse 16. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. 
This psalm was written by King David. But it finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says it in Aramaic, the language of his day. Psalm 22, written in Hebrew, this word forsake carries with it the idea of exile, of being far off. Jesus on the cross is experiencing being far off from the Father. He's experiencing exile as the wrath of God is poured out on his natural body. He's feeling the pain of separation. And just as Israel was sent into exile, forsaken, so too Jesus was forsaken by the Father. Whereas Israel was guilty of sin and deserved judgment, Jesus was not. Jesus on the cross took the sin of others upon himself, our sin, yours and mine. The lament of Psalm 22 is not the lament of the guilty experiencing judicious wrath. It is the lament of the innocent and righteous man experiencing the guilty verdict of another. He is far off. He's exiled, though his hands are clean. (coughs) The focus here is of the guiltless man, the sinless man being punished as though he were sinful. What would cause God to initiate such a plan to bring about redemption? That he would send his only begotten son, innocent of all sin, to take on sin and experience the full wrath of God's anger towards sin? What would drive Jesus, God the Son, to drink fully the cup of God's wrath? Though he were innocent, And he did this all on your behalf. What would hold him on that cross until the work was finished? Before you or I could ever think to trust in Christ, God looked to embrace us. To draw us back in Christ. We see in scripture the answer to these questions. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We see in Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans 5, 6 through 11, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps... For a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So Christ's death on the cross didn't move God from wrath to love. God was moved by love and sent his son to satisfy the wrath of God we deserved, and he removed our guilt and the enmity that was between us. Jesus willingly and obediently became the sacrifice because of love. 
He purchased our reconciliation to bring restored relationship between us and God with his own blood. It was love that drove Christ to rescue you from your sin. Matthew writes in verse 50, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. John writes about it this way in his account, John nineteen twenty eight through 30. After this, knowing that all was now finished, Jesus said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Jesus died, he died at the right time. When full atonement had been made. He had made complete payment for the debt that we owed. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. It is finished. It means there's nothing left to add. It was a once for all time sacrifice. Nothing left for us to bring to the table to somehow uh, make it more finished. After Jesus died, Matthew tells us in verses 51 through 54, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So the curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. This curtain stood in the temple between the holy place and the most holy place. We've been talking about this a little bit in the book of Hebrews, our series that we're doing there on Sundays. God tore it in two. Symbolizing that now because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, man could dwell with God. And it's all because of the perfect blood of his son. There was an earthquake and the tombs were opened. Now this is a peculiar detail. We don't have much information about this. And so I take this part of the narrative to just be true. I I just take it at face value. There's not much information in scripture about this, but it says that the saints who had died were raised. Not all, but many. I don't know who. You know, maybe it was just, you know, everyday people, not the ones we read about in scripture. But maybe, I don't know, maybe it was David. I don't know. This was all to show the power of God and display that the work had indeed been completed. It all pointed to Jesus. So why is Good Friday good? 
It is good because Jesus has defeated sin and Satan. It is good because he didn't stay dead. He's alive again, and so death and the grave have been defeated as well. But in order to hear more about that, you'll have to come back on Sunday. It is good because by the work of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, you and I have been reconciled to God. By his death and his free gift, we receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness and reign in life as Paul writes about in Romans 5. Jesus was forsaken so that we would not be. He experienced exile, being far off from the Father so that we might be brought near. He tasted death, descended to the grave. But as the video said, Sunday was coming. The Father heard his prayer. And so Jesus returns from exile and resurrection bringing resurrection for all who would believe, bringing nearness, that resurrection life to those who once were dead in sin. The Messiah has brought us home from exile. He has made us fully alive in him. Never in Christ will we be far off from God because we are in him and he is in us. So the good in Good Friday is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now I want to close this short message in a way that may seem to leave us in the gloom of death rather than the joy of resurrection. But I want to close this message about Good Friday the way that Friday ended. Verses 57 through 61 of Matthew 27. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Jesus took the body and wrapped, I'm sorry, Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Friday closes with Jesus in the tomb. But Sunday is coming. Let's pray. God, our Father, we have so much to be grateful for as we remember the work of our Savior, your beloved Son, Jesus the Christ. Oh, how wonderfully did the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appear He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. You were pleased to find a ransom and not send our lives down to the pit. We were doomed to die, but you devised a plan so that we would not remain as outcasts far from your face. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that we might be reconciled to you, Father, by the death of your Son. Though we have not loved you, you loved us and sent your son to be the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. That he tasted death for everyone, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. We thank you that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
Father God, you have done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending your own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, who by sacrifice for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Thank you that Jesus, our Savior, was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, that upon him was the chastisement of our peace, and with his stripes we are healed. You laid upon him the iniquity of us all, and now many are made righteous. Thank you that we are forgiven, that we are clean, and that we are close. In Jesus' mighty name, the only name above all other names, we pray. Amen.